It's the Satellite Sisters. Hi, this is Leanne Dolan. I'm Monica Dolan. This is Sheila. I'm Liz Dolan. This is Julie. Real sisters, real life, real conversation. Tackling the world one cup of coffee at a time. The Satellite Sisters. Satellite Sisters, welcome to the show. Kind of a special, offbeat, unique show. You may have noticed lately we've been trying a couple of new things. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica. It's Sunday, the 13th of April. Joining me on the line with no connectivity issues at all this morning is Sheila Dolan. So, Hey, hey, how are you, Liz? I'm good, I'm good. I'm honored to be part of this panel. <laughs> More than part. You actually, you get a producer credit on today's show, Sheila. We'll explain that in a second. The uh, Julie and Monica are both on spring break right now. Uh, Julie, I got a picture from Julie today. She's in New York City visiting her son, Will, and her daughter-in-law, Lauren, who have a baby due this summer. All right. So Julie sent me a picture. They were in the store shopping for baby Bjorns. So I actually got a picture of young Will with a baby Bjorn and the fake baby. They thought the fake baby was very funny. (laughs) Monica is at a beach somewhere, right? I think actually today she's flying home to Portland, Oregon, but she's been uh, out there all week. And Leon is appearing today at the LA Times Festival of Books. So Very exciting for her. Very, very exciting. So we cooked up something a little different midweek, didn't we, Shell? We just decided... Let's give it a go. Yes, we are doing questions and answers today, Liz. Questions and answers. And to do that, well, you posed this show on our Satellite Sisters Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to be a part of this panel, Mm -hmm. I had to go back and face the devil, Facebook. (laughs) I had to, and I immediately, I said, listen, Liz. I don't even know if I have a Facebook profile anymore. Right. Could I just log on as you right. and get your password? And I liked what you sent me first. You first sent me your username right away. Yeah. And then about an hour later, you <laughs> sent me your password because you couldn't remember your I password. Could, I could not remember my password. We've talked about this many times on Satellite Sisters. There are just too many passwords in our life. And I, so I had it automatically remembered in my computer. So I had to go find my computer and then figure out like those eight dots. What, what did that signify? So, uh, so did you log in as me? Oh, Liz, I logged in as you. And then I said, you know what? I'm a grown-up. I'm going to try to log in as myself. I'm going to see if I still exist on Facebook. And a, a couple people wrote in and asked, why isn't Sheila on Facebook? Yeah. So I, I'm going to give you a multiple-choice answer here because okay. okay. I'm a teacher, and uh, that's what we do. We create multiple-choice questions. <laughs> okay, why am I not on Facebook? A, every time I log on, they don't recognize my password. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, every time I change my password, I then forget my password. Mm-hmm. C, I don't really want any friends right now. <laughs> D, I had a stalker, and I told you about my stalker in 2010. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we really got over the thought of someone you know, tracking me down and suddenly appearing at Los Tacos, you know, and saying, hey, Sheila, what's up? 
or E, all of the above. It's clear, clearly all of the above. I think anyone who has listened to the show, even a handful of times, knows the answer is all of the above. But um, I liked how when we were preparing this show, you gave me a little bit of the reins, Liz. That's unusual for you. Mm-hmm. Well, but- I just thought you would enjoy it because they were questions about you. So. Yes, yes that is, that's my favorite topic. Um, and so I know you went out last night. Did you have a nice night out? Yes, I did. I went to a big party last night. The uh, One of my colleagues, it was her 40th birthday. And so that's why I had texted you late in the day that it was, it was going to be a late night for me because, you know, when you're turning 40... Almost everyone else at the party is under 40. So I knew, so, <laughs> right, which right. I am neither of those two things, either 40 or under 40. And so I knew it would start late and end late. So uh, our normal Sunday morning start time was not going to work for me. But you were totally cool with that. Thank you. Yeah, but because I, I have no, you know, there's no dating going on right now. And a lot of questions about that will we'll address that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching um, all the original Upstairs, Downstairs uh, show on BBC. Oh, that's a big Saturday night. <laughs> and uh, I made a lovely uh, vegan meal for myself. Nice. And, and then I went through all the questions. I called through all the questions list, and they definitely fall into three, three or four main categories, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a section that is what we'll call Dolan family trivia, right? And definitely, definitely. We're going to tackle a few of those. There's a big section. Part the main block is really um, our relationship. Like, there were lots of questions about how we get along or don't, how we communicate with each other or don't. Um, then there were just things that were directed either at you personally or me personally, and we'll try to get to those, right? But th- right, and then there was a whole subcategory about animals, <laughs> which, I, I, you know, we can't really answer all the animal questions <laughs> today. I don't think there's time. Is there, Liz? There's, I mean, well, we, I will just say I actually took Ferris to the vet this week, and my vet called Ferris the miracle dog. So if, oh, yes, Liz. if you're wondering how Ferris is doing, he's alive and he's thriving. Oh. So we, we cannot report on Liam's dog. Somebody asked about Mia and her ear, her ear thing. So here's uh, one of the things we've learned doing Satellite Sisters all this time. And we're going to answer Annalise's question about how much of the show do we plan out in advance and what do we add as we go and how has that changed over the years. But I would just start by saying one thing... The, a few things that we've learned over the years, and you can chime in too, Sheila, if you think that uh, my list, you'd like to add to the list. The first, I think we learned pretty early on, uh, you can say whatever you want about yourself, but you can't say whatever you want about someone else, right? That's, that is the truth, Liz. That, you can, that, that's it. You're going to hurt someone's feelings. We can't speak for the other sisters, but we can certainly embarrass ourselves. Exactly. And uh, just admit the truth about ourselves only. Yes. 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 Uh, The second thing I think we've learned over time is don't say anything on the radio that you would not say in real life. You know, you kind of get, it would be easy to get sucked into sort of a hyper version. You know, the way talk radio, people are just like so amped up and yelling at each other or disagreeing with each other or like we are just not interested in doing that. Uh, So, and then the third one, I would say what relates to the first one, which is redo, which is ironic considering how much we talk on the radio over all these, over 14 years, we respect each other's privacy. 
And oh, so, totally. Yes. So I would never ask you a question about something that you may or may not want to share on the radio, but you are very free to share whatever you want about yourself, right? That is that is the truth, Liz. And I, I wasn't sure whether I could ask about where you went last night. I, for instance, I mean, you you hobnob with very important people. Sometimes that's secret information. Sometimes it is. <laughs> last night it was not. I'm glad it was just a 40th birthday party. I like to know that you're just like us, Liz. Oh, boy. So, and so, Yeah. So and, Annalise's and, actual question about how have we changed over the years, what would you say about that, Sheila? Uh, well, I think our experience has taught us that we don't need to prepare that much <laughs> for the show. In other words, so let's just take this question and answer show, Liz. Yeah. I sent you the questions late last night after the second season of Upstairs, Downstairs. Right. You probably looked at them this morning with your morning coffee. Yeah. And then we talked about it five minutes before this call. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's it. Yeah. So we don't... Annalise... Uh, we know what the questions are, but we have no idea what the answers are. That's what I would say. And in an average show, the process is even sketchier. Because <laughs> what, what would happen is on an average weekend when we're recording, we just connect to each other. I get everyone on Skype. And then everyone says what they want to talk about. And then we figure out an order that makes sense, like a flow from topic to topic. And that's it. That whole process takes five minutes. There's no written document. There's no um, rehearsal. There's no anything. It's just here's a basically a rundown, as we would call it. We have a list in order. And then if you're number three and you feel like topic number two is petering out, you just jump in and you start the next thing. So, that's the way we do it. That's and that's how, how we're going to do today's show, right, yeah, Liz? Yeah. So the one other, how has the format changed over the years? I think there have been three distinct phases in Satellite Sisters as a, uh, as a show. First was our public radio career. We started on public radio in 2000. And we're still very grateful. Some of the stations that took us on early and really supported us, Oregon Public Broadcasting was great. WNYC in New York is great. Minnesota Public Radio was always great. But the public radio show, Sheila, remember we would, there was a lot of production and then a lot of post-production. Right. It was, it was very, very different than the other shows that we've done and certainly worlds away from what we're doing today. A uh, highly produced show, just as much fun, yeah. but a, a completely different uh, format. Yes. Right. And it was one hour once a week. That's right. So that was phase one. Phase two it was our live commercial radio um, Five years, we were live on commercial radio, syndicated by ABC and also on XM Satellite Radio. That was three hours live, six days a week, right? That's right. when we really learned how to talk about everything. And I think, it, I think that was the best example of what we can do because it combined uh, – the newsmakers and the interviews, which you you were really good at, Liz. I enjoyed and then, that. And then we had the sort of freewheeling sister talk, which we, we love doing. And then all of the sister segments, so Cozy Couch and uh, Entertaining Sheila and Lab Rats mm -hmm. and Julie's News Roundup. Um, and so that, that show, I think, was 
us at our best. Not that we're not trying hard now, but... <laughs> well, it's just different. When you're it's on th three hours live, six days a week, you just learn to be looser. And that helps us do what we do now in phase three, where... So now we're producing the podcast. Uh, right now we're doing two shows a week. Um, but you can see Leanne has been experimenting this week with doing a few of her own interviews. Sheila and I experimenting today with something that's just Q&A. Um, we love talking to each other and getting feedback from listeners. So the podcast era of Satellite Sisters is also incredibly fun and freewheeling. And I feel like over the next year or two, we're going to get to do even more of this. So that's kind right. of, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where we are now. That's our historical context, as it were, Liz, <laughs> setting it up. So what's our first question? Uh, let's see. What were we going to do? We were going to start. <laughs> Favorite meal. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to start with some of the Dolan family trivia questions. Let's do it. Okay. So let's see. Favorite meal. Um to where with this is from Becky. Uh, what was our favorite meal? We're assuming you mean uh, as children. Uh, so Sheila, you want to take a whack at that? Well, I, you know, I really loved Mom's classics. I was going to go with her beef bourguignon mm -hmm. or the roast chicken with potatoes. Mm -hmm. Either one. I mean, the thing about our mother, and I think we've said this before, is you know, there's no dessert. So <laughs> whatever energy and talent she had and she had a lot of talent in cooking she put into her entree yeah so a beef bourguignon in those days was a big deal of course uh the french chef and julia child and all of her cookbooks the beef bourguignon was amazing and so was her roast chicken with with potatoes just mm -hmm. roasted everything mom roasted very well mm -hmm. How about you, Liz? Yeah, and those were also the days, two things that have completely disappeared, I think, in modern society. First is, those were the days where on Friday, as Catholics, we could not eat meat. And so we, had, we learned to eat fish, which was really painful as a child, but I'm very grateful for it now. So I think of, like, just learning to love swordfish, which is still one of my favorite meals, or even just filet of sole. Very simple things. There was that. So we always did that. And then when we were really young, we were still having Sunday dinner in the middle of the afternoon. Mm, that was a good one. Well, yeah. that's, that's when we'd have the beef bourguignon, Liz, yeah, I think. Yeah, beef bourguignon, or I always think of roast leg of lamb. Oh, point. yes, Liz. Mint jelly. Yes, yes. Now, yeah, just classic, classic meals. And it really, the thing that made our mother mad, I mean, she loved preparing those meals and having us all at the table, but <laughs> we had to eat during halftime in the Giants game. <laughs> we, we, grew, yeah. we grew up in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. The New York Giants were our home team. And uh, so we would just be standing by for halftime, and then we would have this elaborate midday meal, and then go back. My father would, would go back to the TV. So uh -huh. right, and then her her last words after we cleaned up the kitchen were, "The kitchen is closed." Yes. <laughs> so that's it. There's, this is no more. If you want something later, you can get a bowl of cold cereal on your own. Don't tell anybody about it because then you could insult mom who did the, you know, the big, the big meal. Right. So, so th that's it. Yeah. That was our, that was our meal time. Yeah. Oh, times have changed, Liz. Times have really changed. I don't think that's happening in too many households anymore. Okay. Betsy asked, uh, 
what is our favorite childhood memory? Um, oh. Well, I, and she, I think she particularly wants to know of each other, but just in general, Sheila, what would your favorite memory be? Um, well, definitely for me, going to Puerto Rico for Christmas. Ah. I mean, we, we were teenagers by the time that happened. Okay, so right? <laughs> childhood memory, Betsy, going back, going back. No, that's okay. You should explain the Puerto Rico trip because well, it the, was... the Puerto Rico trip was when we were teenagers, and um, our dad found a way to take not only all eight kids in our family, but the nine morning stars, our first cousins, to uh, Puerto Rico. We'd stay at a condo, and we all went on vacation together. There's nothing in the world that was greater than that. Um, childhood memory, Liz, probably, um, I think just probably hanging out at the beach club, hanging out at the, our, our, our swim team, the, the Patterson Club. We had some great just summer days hanging out at the pool with our, you know, swim coach, going to swim meets. You were certainly very cute in your little swim cap, Liz. <laughs> and, and just like doing this, I can remember going to the Patterson Club and swimming all day and then just eating French fries and maybe uh, getting a chocolate milk at the snack shop and hanging out in the hot sun. Mm -hmm. To me, that was heaven. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating because my yeah I would say the exact same thing. We really? had we had fantastic summers when we were kids. Yeah, we yeah. You know, I guess summer is over. like you're not in school. Let's start with that. But also we we lived in the part of Fairfield, Connecticut. Then that was there weren't that many people there, and we were sort of out in the country, so to speak. We had a a lot of yard, and there was a lot of just fun and trouble we could get into in our own yard. And we were largely unsupervised most of that time. So we would just be out running around. And then the Patterson Club, Sheila refers to, was not like some fancy club. And it was literally like next door to us. So we would go down through our yard. There was a little break in the stone wall between where we lived and where the pool was so we could just walk over there and we would are we it was a fairly high-powered swim team I guess because we did have practice twice a day and but it's just a lot of wildly unsupervised time yes uh, I mean, what's better than that yes and and hot french fries and um sitting on the pool deck and I think flash forward a million years where I am today Liz I think that's one of the reasons I love going to the Rose Bowl pool so much is because it's that exact same feeling yeah. of just hearing the water, the lap swimming, um, the hot cement, and just, just like taking it easy. Yeah. That's why I love going to the Rose Bowl so much because I can sort of conjure up that whole feeling. And again, in the summer when I'm not teaching, heaven. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. So Betsy also wanted to know in the family trivia, what our middle names are. Oh, so, okay. Go ahead, Liz. Well, I have no middle name, Betsy. Um, the, I was kind of a last minute christening situation. There was a crisis over my name. So my original, my, my name was, was just Elizabeth Dolan. And there's a story about Leanne's name, which we will leave it to her to tell you on Tuesday. But so I was Elizabeth Dolan, no time for a middle name. But then when I got confirmed, 
I took the name Grace, which was our grandmother's name. So my middle, I just use Grace as my middle name, even though I really don't have one. Julie, hands down, got the best middle name. Right. Yeah. Her, her middle name is St. James. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool, Julie St. James Dolan. But I think my middle name is really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. You my, mid- my middle name is Rigby, mm-hmm. which was uh, a family name from my mother's side. My confirmation name is Patricia, uh-huh. Sheila Patricia Rigby Dolan. Patricia after my godmother, um, after my uh, one of our aunts, Patricia, um, Aunt Patty. But um, uh, I, I, I even considered changing my first name to Rigby for a while. And I think uh, that goes into the questions about nicknames. Didn't we have a question about nicknames, Liz? Yeah. Okay. So finish up the uh, the middle names. Monica's middle name is Rourke, which is another family name on my father's side. And Liam's middle name is Campion, which is a an old kind of Jesuit saint. You know, your your classic Catholic. Jesuit educated middle names. <laughs> so, so right, we have a wide variety there. Wide variety, uh, right? Nicknames is a good one. Uh, uh, yeah, nicknames. We got a question about nicknames, and um, I, you know, I think I've told this story before, but when I was about eight or nine, I think um, I wanted my brothers and sisters to start calling me. By the name Lily, I felt I, I felt like I really needed a change from yeah. Sheila. Yeah. And I don't know where I got that name or what inspired that name, but I remember for weeks I was trying to convince you all to please call me Lily. I'm not Sheila anymore. <laughs> and, and did we do that? Oh, you did it! You did it in jest. You did it. You did it in over a, mo- and over in a mocking day. tone. In mocking tone, oh, Lily's here. Lily, it's dinner. Oh, oh, sorry, Lily. You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I was humiliated. I, I think I, it was just, it caused a lot more angst than I was already going through. Mm-hmm. You know, basically trying to change my name, trying to change my identity. Yeah. And and then I just gave up. Um, and then for a while, I I tried to go by the name Rigby when I was a little bit older. And that didn't really stick either. Um, But, um, you know, it's kind of a family trait because I know my daughter, Ruthie, uh, has tried to... She tried to change her name at one point as well. Um, I forget what it was, but... um, Well, she had a pseudonym, and she had many different uh, personas, Mm -hmm. as it were. Um, but I think that's just a family trait. Liz, did you, did you? Well, I, I don't recall ever being called by a nickname. Um, we had some, Monica had a nickname. For some reason we called Monica Mog, M-O-G. Right. Or Moggy. Uh, I, I, do you recall where that came from or why we would be calling her Mog? I, I don't. I think it's just sort of in a big family, you just, you come up with different kooky names all the time. Right. Um, I, I do remember you used to mock me um, when I was a teenager with my other nickname, Miss Grooviness. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. We did do that. <laughs> um, which I thoroughly enjoyed because I believed I was groovy. Um, 
And uh, I remember for my 13th birthday, I had a wonderful birthday where I invited my three friends uh, to my room and sort of locked them in my room and had a teenage angst session. And do you remember the stuff to Signing Owl that Marsha Cameron gave me? I, do, I don't know. Wow, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't thought about that in a while. Uh, it was a giant owl, came with a pen, it was a stuffed animal, and you were supposed to sign it. Yeah. And all my friends signed it. Uh, love ya, Sheila. You know, wonderfully encouraging and uh, affirming messages. Uh -oh. And the next morning when I woke up, my signing owl had been defaced with Miss Grooviness. <laughs> oh, hi, Miss Grooviness. Yeah, that's what it's like to be 13. <laughs> 13 when you have, you had four older brothers and sisters and three younger. Um, yeah, so, well, Julie, in a note to me yesterday, recalls that we used to call you Sheena at one point, too. And I'm sure we did that in a mocking way. Everything was in a mocking way, which, yes, Marlene, yes, we did argue. <laughs> to answer that question, we did argue um, over many For some many reason, things. we called Leanne Rang, just R-A-N-G. That was terrible. She totally hated that. And But Julie wa wanted me to note that. Uh, re remember, we were ruled by our older brothers. So I think the reason the girls banded together the way we did is because we had to be a power block against our two older brothers, Jim and Dick, who were merciless in their attempt to dominate us in every way. Relentless, Relentless. yes. And so the thing that Jim and Dick would do, or Jimmy and Dickie, as we called them then, that just made Julie's blood boil is her nickname. They called her Julius Caesaris <laughs> because they were, as she notes, uh, trying to show off their Latin skills. Our, our father was a bit of a classical scholar, and he insisted that we all take Latin. And so obviously the boys were older than we were. So as they were learning Latin, they just started calling Julie Julius Caesaris. Right. And she hated that. Uh, so she, we also started calling her little mother. Yes, we did. The girls called her little mother because she was the oldest of the five girls and occasionally stepped in and tried to, um, be, you know, the, be, the, the peacemaker, the voice of, you know, yeah. uh, uh, just have a higher purpose. Please. Can't we all get along yes. type of thing? And we appreciated that. We had a, we had a voice. <laughs> um, okay, so favorite meals. Uh, all right, well, that might have been my my worst childhood memory, getting that signing now of the face. <laughs> okay. Sorry, sorry, I don't recall that. Okay, Dolan trivia. We're going over it again. Oh, um, let's see. Waffles or pancakes, Liz? No. <laughs> yeah, no. I That was a question from Michelle. Waffles or pancakes? Um my mother had a waffle iron and used it with great skill. So that was kind of a Sunday morning. Occasionally we'd get waffles after church is my, uh, is my recollection. But she also made this thing in a skillet that we just called puffy pancake. Puffy and, pancake. Wow. And I think in other parts of the world it's called the Dutch pancake or something like that. But we would get psyched when we saw that it was a Sunday of puffy pancake. Oh, hands down, better than waffles. It was like a, it was almost like a pop, giant popover. Yeah. 
the sugar and butter and then powdered sugar. And it, it was, it was unbelievably delicious. And to this day, I still, I enjoy a pancake over a waffle, Liz, mm -hmm. I must say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Although it's been a while since I had pancakes. Though I did predict on the show a couple weeks ago, Sheila, that uh, waffles are the new cupcakes. Um, there's a waffle war going on here in Santa Monica on Wilshire Boulevard, and uh, trends seem to spread from California to the rest of the country. So waffles, the next big thing. You heard it here first. I, I believe you, Liz. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's see. Were there any other? Those, I think, were most of the trivia questions. Obviously, we're not going to get to everything today, so uh, we will cir circle back to a few of those if we missed any of those. The um, Okay, wouldn't you say, Sheila, the biggest block of questions really is fundamentally about our relationship with each other? Right. I think people want to know, and they deserve to know, do we really get along as well as we sound like we get along? Um, was there arguing? Was there jealousy? Uh, you know, were we treated differently? And so forth and so on. And I, I think those are fair questions. Mm -hmm. So let's begin with, uh, did we ever argue? Marlene wanted to know, did we ever argue and who was the peacemaker? Mm -hmm. um, I would say yes, we argued constantly. <laughs> when, we, when we were little. I mean, mm -hmm. bickering and fighting and it's just a normal part of growing up. Mm. Um, and uh, we didn't have knockdown, I mean, except for Monica and myself. We didn't right, I was going <laughs> to say that. There's the famous clog-throwing incident, which I can provide some details on, but okay. go ahead. Uh, yes, we argued over space. We argued over food. We argued over, you know, clothes and the typical things. Um, and I think... Liz, you were a wonderful peacemaker, always have been, and always will be a peacemaker in our family. Um, my mother tried to make the peace, but I think, I think when my dad came home, everybody knew we had to shape up. I don't know. Would you agree with that, Liz? I would agree with that. I mean, we did, again, so it was, it was a long time ago, so we literally had sit-down dinner every single night of the week, all of us eight kids and mom and dad at the table. Or as kids started to leave home, the numbers got smaller. Now, Leon's recollection of this might be different because Leon is the youngest of eight. And in a lot of ways, she grew up in a different generation than we did. Um, so maybe, Leon, you can tackle this on Tuesday. You and Julie can debate um, what, what actually went on, whether we argued, who was the peacemaker. Um, but we knew we had to be on our best behavior when we were sitting at the dinner table every night. Uh, with dad. But we, I would say that we, all of that was just normal growing up stuff. You and Monica, who are, have always been incredibly close, had a very passionate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we used to go at it every morning mm -hmm. um, over clothes, over, you know, getting to the bus on time, mm -hmm. you know, just little things, getting out the door. Getting out the door is still difficult for Monica and I. If we're sharing a room, God forbid, if we have to ever share a room, it's difficult for us yeah. because we have very, we're both very uh, selfish in terms of our needs. And, and when we get together, it clashes. Mm -hmm. Monica has a particular way of doing things, and so do I. You are more flexible Leon, um, Leon is there for the greater good. And of course, Julie is a great peacemaker as well. Mm -hmm. But Monica and I have always been 
volatile. Very, very volatile to the point of just yelling, screaming, some some biting, some some grabbing, some throwing, some hitting, um, and uh, and and that's just. You know, but we still love each other. If there's something that I'm going through that I really need someone to, who's not going to judge me uh, and who's going to listen, it's going to be Monica. Completely, I would call her first off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think she does understand how we, the two of us are sort of on the outside a little bit. Of course, the lab rats, right? That's why we form the lab rats. <laughs> You you feel like you are your own subset within the family? Well, a little bit, but you know what? One thing I know for sure is that I was not the peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was the peace breaker. So uh, you could count on me for bre- trying to break the peace up. Right. Um, and that was my role, uh, yeah. and I think I played it pretty well. Mm-hmm. But I think for all of that... Um, the fighting that went on, say, when we were young and in our teens. You know, when we were in our 20s, everyone went off and did their own thing. You know, the I think a lot of the fundamental questions here are about, like, do we really, like, talk to each other on the phone every day? And are we those kinds of sisters that, like, are never out of reach of each other? That was never true. Like, our, we all had very busy lives in our 20s and in our 30s. And we were close and we would connect, but not in some... Certainly not daily or even weekly. There were different subsets of people that developed during that phase too. So the um, so I wouldn't say the 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 sort of normal fighting that you would do as teenagers. All of that dissipated once we were grown-ups. There are different things that we may disagree about now, but we tend not to fight them out. No, we we don't fight them out. Um, definitely do not. And. In, in fact, we got a question from Nicole, do we ever go long periods without talking? And I think Nicole might have meant because of arguing. And I would say absolutely not, because these subsets have been formed out of, it's a survival. You need a buddy, right, Liz? Yeah, yeah. You need, so I have Monica. I, I call you. I, I call Leon for different things. I call Julie uh, for different things. But basically, we don't go long periods without talking. Um, and if we are upset with another sister for any stupid reason, and maybe some good reasons, maybe dumb reasons, um, we can always call another sister about it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what Leon says, that the key to making the whole operation work is that we can talk about each other behind the other sister's back, you know. So, like, if, if I had a beef with you, I could call Julie and complain about you. And that would satisfy whatever I needed to get out of my system. And, and I know that you're going to call Julie about me. <laughs> and, and I hope you guys know that Monica and I talk about you. I, of course. Of course. <laughs> and it's all – and then we work it all out. I mean, I think it is a pretty – pretty good system (laughs) as far as families are concerned you know you hear about people not talking at all to their siblings for years that would never ever happen to us yeah you know and even again it's sort of a the, the unusual dynamic of a big family even if someone was out of touch with most of the siblings there would be someone who would be in contact with them. You know, people people have drifted off for long periods of time, you know, months or, like, they've had a couple of bad years in a row. But always somebody was in their life, 
and maybe not all eight of us around a kitchen table together, but certainly they weren't completely gone. And it was never, it, it was never out of anger that that has ever happened. Who knows what will happen in the future, but people have gone through rough years and right. rough patches. Or I think it's also a natural thing that, you know, even though we love each other and we like each other, you need to establish your own independence as a person. And so the people have definitely gone off and done that in their life, done their own thing. And so part of the fun of doing the show is that, like, we have all gone off and done that in our own way. Right. And it's like we came back together after that process, and the pieces fit together even better, you know, because we appreciate each other more than we would have had we not gone out and just become our own people. Right. I definitely agree with that. Uh, but on the flip side, let's get to birth order because Beckett asked us about birth order. Uh -huh. And I think that did affect some, you know, going off for years and doing your own thing. All right. Okay. How, uh, you, I know you have strong feelings on this. Well, I know, well, Julie's the oldest sister and she embodied, you know, the little mother. The, the, she, she did things, I would have to say, as close to perfect as anyone possibly could. Don't you? Mm -hmm. I mean, she excelled in school. She excelled in friends. She went to great schools, married a wonderful man, you know, had two beautiful. She just sort of went in a straight line. Mm -hmm. And I think she was um, an embodiment of, you know, the, 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 the women's liberation movement and traditional values sort of brought together. And I would say a perfect package. <laughs> we said at the beginning of the show we never talk about each other i think you're allowed to say someone is perfect Anything? i think you are okay <laughs> now liz you were a totally different person but you excelled in many ways as well in fact you have gone and done amazing things in your life um independently of of julie uh again you know strong female role model in julie and then you just, I think, up the ante a little bit in terms of the business side of things. So you were a powerhouse as well, all right? So, so now, the, now we're building up to your position in the birth order. Which is nowheresville. <laughs> no. <laughs> which is how can you possibly compete with that? I mean, seriously, how can you? And I, and I, I think I was just... Out of, right out of the box, I was a very different kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, I was much more artistic. I was much more curious, much more free-flowing, and much more directionless <laughs> <laughs> for a very, very long time. As my mother used to say, I was a very late bloomer. <laughs> um, and I like to refer to myself as a middle child. Uh, being number three of five sisters, but it doesn't matter. I had the middle child syndrome, which was I didn't know what I wanted to do for a very long time. Right, right. And just a lot of time, and I still don't know really what I want to do, and it's it's fine. That's part of the exploration of being number three. Yeah. But um, I mean, as I pointed out many times before, mathematically we are both middle children. <laughs> I know that because Liz. there are eight kids, not just the five girls, and so I'm number four and you're number five, with, which puts us both 
right in the middle. So I'm not sure what the, the middle child syndrome is as it relates to me versus you, but we've clearly had different ways of conducting our lives. Okay. And then Monica, I feel, uh, Monica, poor Monica, I, I, I feel in a lot of ways she wasted a lot of years hanging out with me. <laughs> Even though she's a very successful medical researcher, right? she could have gone on to do, you know, open <laughs> hospitals and things like that if she hadn't spent so much time with me. I don't, I, I don't think Monica feels that way at all, Sheila. I think, <laughs> I think Monica has enjoyed every step of her life. She's made very specific choices about what she wants her life to be. She likes a simple life. She likes the way she's conducting it now. So I don't yeah. think you need to... Uh, feel guilty at all <laughs> no I think I think in a great way we were all very independent women and yes, yes. Uh, I think our mother fostered that okay now let's get back to little now little Leon uh, uh, the eight of eight and the last sister she's a powerhouse too and I think as the youngest I think she sort of flipped uh, the stereotypical role model which was a stereotypical, you know, younger child, which was, you know, pampered and babied. Not at all. She got no attention. No, right, exactly. <laughs> and she made her own way completely. Uh, and yes. you, Yeah. Don't you agree? Yes, totally forged her own path. I think she saw, well, we'll let her speak for herself on this, but she, she saw us, uh, seven older brothers and sisters, doing all sorts of crazy things, and she managed to pick herself through that minefield and not do most of those crazy things. So that's good. But also she was young at a time, say at a time when our parents were not anymore. So that I think made a difference to her life that she was, you know, imagine you or I could, would never have wanted the scrutiny of being alone at home with mom and dad. Oh right. no. Did we had you? a lot of freedom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much so much going on that there was very, there was very low levels of supervision and scrutiny. And, um, but you know, for Brendan and then Leon, they were in a different environment. And, uh, so there was a different interaction between mom and dad and, uh, and Brendan and Leon. So we'll let Leon comment on that. Like what? Yeah, we'll let Leon yeah. fill in. But I fill think, in. I think you're totally right that the cliche of the baby of the family being spoiled and taken care of, that did not happen at all in, in our scenario. No, I don't think things happen very typically at all in, in any case, but let's get to, I think what follows this up nicely is Bindi's question, how do we celebrate our differences? And um, I, I think one way we do that is, you know, not talking directly to that person, <laughs> but again, talking around their back, <laughs> behind their back. No, I'm only kidding. But I'm thinking of the time, just a stupid example of when I uh, showed up for Thanksgiving wearing, um, it was basically a nightshirt over jeggings. <laughs> And no one, no one said anything to me negative as I, as I stood for that family picture in this hideous, hideous outfit. But you told me years later how hideous it was, and I thank you for that. I thank you for letting me be me, and ten years later admitting that it was the god ugliest thing you'd ever seen. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I would also say, Bindi, that the um, 
the experience of working together, that the five sisters created Satellite Sisters uh, together, uh, produced it together, we worked hard together, you know, especially when we were on commercial radio, like being in business together six days a week live. Um, you learn to really appreciate each other's differences because you need people to be good at different things. You know, you need different skills when you're on the radio, different personalities, different interests. You need all of that. That was incredibly helpful to us. And then also behind the scenes, the fact that some people were natural organizers, where some people would go out and do like crazy stories, and some people, like all of that actually worked for us, that we, that we were so different. And so that made me um, appreciate it even more. Because I don't think we could do this, or we certainly couldn't have been on six days a week, three hours a day live, unless we were different enough to to make it interesting. So we have a lot in common. But Good we also, point. We also have some pretty fundamental differences that we've managed to exploit for satellite systems. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that goes to Cindy's question, Liz. Do you think we'd be friends with each other if we weren't sisters? I thought that was a really good question. Yeah. And then well, the second part, which is more interesting, I think, is would our paths cross if we were just friends? So would you want to tackle that one? Yeah, well, Julie sent me an email about that one because she thought that was really an interesting question. And she wrote, I used to think no because we are so different. But now I say yes, we would appreciate each other's intelligence and humor and sense of adventure and compassion. So... Again, I'd say that's the stuff we have discovered about each other in adulthood that you wouldn't necessarily know about your siblings if you were still frozen in those teenage identities. You know, I think that's where a lot of families go wrong is they don't grow up together. You know, they don't, right. they don't move on from their bad behavior when they were 17 or 13. And so they could just have, haven't forgiven each other for the clog throwing that may have happened right. in their teenage years. <laughs> or the phone throwing. <laughs> Let's not forget the incident where Monica threw a phone at me. And that, and was, that was much more recently, I'd like to point out. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we would be friends. And I think the fact that I have such fabulous sisters has kept me from really making friends <laughs> in adulthood. Because I always say to people, um, when they ask me, so uh, how are your friends in L.A.? I say, well, my sisters are really my friends. Yeah. And, and the basic reason is, and you mentioned it, Liz, I really don't. I, sorry to anyone who's listening who may be my friend. I don't think I really have any friends at this point. But <laughs> I don't know any women who are either who are smarter and funnier. And to me, that combination is the best combination. <laughs> so if I were to make new friends, I would look for people like my sisters. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where would our paths cross? I don't know. Nail Spa Lane? I... I <laughs> I mean, I definitely see Leon at Vons. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'd see her at the supermarket. Uh, and I don't know where else our, our paths may cross, Liz. Yeah, I was thinking about that one. You know, in, in adult life, a lot of your friends are people you meet at work. And you may have um, lots of different kinds of people at work, but we never would have paths 
cross paths professionally, the five of us. That's right. You've been a teacher your whole career. Liam's been in creative fields, video production, writing, all of that. Monica's a nurse. Julie was in uh, college and graduate school administration, uh, and I've been in business my whole life. So where would our paths have crossed? It wouldn't have been in a professional environment. Uh, Maybe some of us would have met, say, you know, moms across a crowded parent thing at a school, but Monica and I don't have kids. So we, you know, for you guys had children. So you've probably met some mothers in your life who you just naturally gravitate to because your kids are friends. Uh, (laughs) Not really, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) But but I do remember our mom saying to us when we were young, uh, because our mother had an identical twin sister, Eleanor Morningstar, and two other sisters, uh, Patty and Virginia. And, uh, and so mom always said, when you have sisters, that is the first circle around you. And your, right. your friends beyond that um, are just, that's a different level of connection. And I think that's true. Though I have some very, very, very dear friends. You do, uh, Liz. You they, have friends. You yeah. really do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but the but the the default position, I think, when you have when because of the relationships we've established with each other as adults, you know, your first default go to would would tend to be a sister. I, I, I would agree with that. Oh uh, uh, yeah, definitely. So, so it's a good thing we were born to the same parents because otherwise we never would have met. <laughs> Except if we were going through a midlife crisis, which Lois asked about, by the way. Okay. And I, I, I'd say, uh, I, I mean, my answer to that, Lois, is really, um, I think your ent- entire midlife is a crisis. I don't think there is one particular event. That, I don't know what you feel, Liz, but um, I just thought it was a funny question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I, did she also mention having gotten a tattoo? Was that Lois who wrote that? Uh, somebody mentioned a tattoo. I would say I haven't done anything like that, but over the, the course of my midlife, let's just call it 35 to 55, um, I do seem to, like, I've quit several jobs, Lois. <laughs> you I, like, have, Liz. I've, You've been quitting. You've I've, been quitting. I, I've enjoyed some big jobs, but then... In each case, I've gotten to the, and not capriciously, you're not after short term. Like, like my, I was at Nike for a long time and I left it there. But like, I did go in and quit on my 40th birthday just because I felt like I needed to do something else next. And, you know, so I, I don't, it's not some, maybe that is just more of a life pattern, not so much a midlife crisis, but I seem, I seem to be ready to, I know when I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And, uh, so, well, and you have the good fortune to have something to move on to, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> that is important. Yeah, that is important. I would not recommend it if you don't think you're going to come out the other side. Um, and other midlife crises, mm, I don't know. I'm redecorating now, Lois. I'll let you know. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I decided that I needed to um, redo my living room. And I think it's partly because the, you know, we lost both both our mother and our father last year. And so obviously that is a, that's an identity crisis, not so much a midlife crisis, but it is. would yeah. you say, Sheila, that that's an identity crisis? Oh, completely, completely. I've re, I re-examined my whole life 
almost every day since we lost our parents. You know, it, it, it just it just shakes up everything that you ever believed in and everything you ever thought about yourself and right. wanted to do in your life. And and certainly um, your apartment was the center of of that uh, for many years. And, um, you know, when our mom got sick, we brought her to your place. And mm-hmm. I, I, when I heard that you were redoing your place, I thought that makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense for you. Well, part think- of it, too, is... Because last year we all had to participate in various stages of dismantling our parents' home, you know, they had moved several times since we were kids, and so they were getting into smaller and smaller places. But still, their apartment here in Santa Monica, as we were all figuring out, like, what to do with their things, and I realized everything that – it was like a time capsule – for 1971. I don't know why. 1971 is when we only lived in two houses when we were kids, but that was the year we moved into like the the second of the two houses. And it seemed like mom and dad, they like bought a lot of things for that house. Right. That's what they carried through the whole rest of their life, which I understand. I mean, they weren't getting rid of furniture and getting all new stuff. They just, all of that stuff carried forward with them, but just smaller and smaller amounts of it. But I was really struck that it was this time capsule for um, the early 70s. And then I was kind of looking at what I have here in my home, and it seemed like a time capsule of the mid '90s to me because that's when oh, I oh, that's what it is. Yeah, Liz. That, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's when I like I had my house in Portland and I was working at Nike and I was spending a lot of time traveling, but particularly in Asia. So you know, I just had a lot of like the the color scheme and and the things that I had and things I collected around the world. It all felt like it was this snapshot for me of my life in 1995. Oh, interesting, Liz. I see that now. Yeah. Yes. And I just thought, okay, that was like 20 years ago. Okay. So I you're did. redo you're renewing. Yes, renewing. It's a it's a new it's a new color palette. It's a new I was talking to my friend Gordon who's an architect and I sort of laid it out to him. Um, we're calling it Santa Montecito, my new Oh, I love it, Liz. That sounds really good. I can't wait. And then another friend, Todd. Luckily, I have two very close friends who are architects. Todd's been here a whole bunch. He's helped me figure out what goes where. So I'm just on the verge of pulling the trigger on a new couch, Sheila. So- oh, well, speaking of couches, Liz, mm-hmm. I mean, Liz, that couch, oh, you're going to get a brand new couch because... Couches have been, we got a lot of questions about the cozy couch. Oh, yeah, okay. And I'm just going to bring up my couch um, in a couple minutes here, tell you about the couch that you gave me that's been the uh, centerpiece of my new apartment. But Liz, a new couch, that's major. Yeah. Well, let's finish up this uh, Dolan, okay. Dolan section with, the, I think, a really, really great question from Heather. Where do we see ourselves in 10 years? So, Liz. You're redoing your apartment, Santa Montecito. Do you see yourself there? Do you see yourself somewhere else? I do see myself here. All uh, right. Yeah, I do. I, I love living here. I, um, I'm in a – I'm just – I love my neighborhood. It's very – it's beautiful. You can walk around. There aren't that many places in L.A. where you're in a real walking neighborhood, and I am. I like that. I'm near the beach, uh, so I like that. But also, you know, I spend a lot of my vacation time up in Bend, Oregon, and I love that too. So just geographically, I feel like if 10 years from now my life is balanced between Santa Monica, California, and Bend, Oregon, 
that would make me super happy. But when I read Heather's question, I, I didn't think of it as a geographic question. I thought she was asking more like, what are we going to be doing with our lives in 10 years? And so uh, I'm going to be doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be doing nothing, Heather. I see myself as retired. Um, and I, I really want to be retired. Um, I'm, I'm going to find a bag of money on the street. And um, that's going to be a big part of my retirement package. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be in my apartment that I've been in for three years, but I'm going to have real cable. I am going to. Uh, I'm going to be at my fighting weight list. <laughs> I'm going back. Um, I'm going to be juggling several suitors at one time. Okay, good, good. That's fun. I'm just going to be happy as a clam here in South Pasadena. You know, as you're saying that, Sheila, I, let me, somebody asked a question, is there anything that would, uh, to know about us that would surprise you? Well, given what this whole conversation has been, maybe listeners will be surprised to know that I've never been to your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's amazing. And I think it's hysterical, and it doesn't matter. But I mean, when you lived in the cozy cottage here in Santa Monica, I would see you there. But now that you live over by Leon, when I see you, it's always at Leon's. I, I, am, I have no idea where you live. <laughs> Liz, I'm going to be doing some upgrading. I'm going to be having a formal, a regular home homecoming. Oh, really? Uh, housewarming. housewarming. <laughs> How many years have you been there now? Three. Uh-huh. Uh, going on four. And, um, no, I found a great handyman. Um, and he's going to be doing some work around the place. And, well, why don't, should we just jump to my questions? Should we? Yeah, speaking of handyman. Um, um, Derek, Marlene, uh, Susan, a lot of people asked about my new place. So, okay, so I was in the Cozy Cottage in Santa Monica years ago. And that is done, that is over. In between, I lived in the Cozy Bungalow. Now, did you go to the bungalow, Liz? Yes. Oh, yes. I, so I was in your previous South Pasadena home. I enjoyed the bungalow. Yeah, that was nice. That's where your new Crate and Barrel couch went, right? The, the Crate and Barrel couch from Liz was the centerpiece of my world. Um, in addition, I spent every dime I had ever saved on a new bed. <laughs> and I carried that bed with me. I bought a lot of stuff at Crate and Barrel at one point. Um, a lot of stuff. And I think it's been a good investment because, really, it's all I have, Liz. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. And now, I was in the co- cozy bungalow. Then the landlord got a divorce and wanted the cozy bungalow back. Mm-hmm. So I had to find a new place quick. And what I found was every place I, I live, I make it my own, and I love it. But this place, I think, is the most special place. It's ironic that you've never been here, Liz. Right. Just to be clear, never been invited. Oh, okay. All right. Well, (laughs) I will invite you to what I like to refer to as the treetop penthouse. Oh, oh, that does sound nice. Because I am on the second floor of a two-story building. I consider that the penthouse. (laughs) Yeah. Qualifies. Top floor. I am in the treetops, which is a beautiful section of South Pasadena, uh, just covered with pine trees um, and, and birds. And my apartment 
the living room of my apartment, which is quite peaceful and lovely, it's like a sanctuary really, is all windows. Uh, white shutter windows, Liz. Talk about Montecito. Sounds nice. It's a poor man's Montecito. Let's I put should come out. there for some design inspiration. <laughs> Treetop penthouse. So it is a it is a formal apartment, unlike the other living arrangements I've I've been in. I mean the the the, the cozy the cottage. cozy cottage was not a legal uh, apartment, and, and neither the bungalow was just basically one big room. Yeah, yeah. But this is a formal apartment. I have a beautiful... <laughs> and I lived in a closet in New York. Remember I lived in the hallway? I do remember that. That was a low... Wouldn't you say that was a low point? That was a hallway turned into an apartment overlooking an, um, a garbage heap in an alley. That was, that was attractive. No, I live in a one-bedroom apartment, a luxurious one-bedroom, I might add. Uh, I have a fireplace, Liz. Mm-hmm. I have a, a full ba- full bath mm-hmm. with sink. <laughs> I have that's good. I have a dining area. I have air conditioning, ceiling fans. I have a beautiful kitchen. I have two entrances to my treetop penthouse: mm. a back entrance and a, a front entrance. What, what's your laundry situation? I know you enjoy doing laundry. I have a laundry room on the premises that we share. Okay, and, nice. Um, I enjoy that. No dishwasher, Liz, still. Damn. Oh, I know. I just keep getting bigger and bigger dish racks. But um, (laughs) I've I've really done, I think I've done some beautiful things with this in terms of palette. I have uh, blues and and grays and greens. uh, And it could use, it could use some touch up though. And so I need to call my landlord and find out. How many years do you go without with a new without a new pa- being painted? Yeah. Because I think it needs an update. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really happy here. It's very peaceful. It's very beautiful. No shoes allowed, of course. Of course, because it's carpeted. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm very happy here, Liz. Okay, that's good. You know, people. So they they wanted to know about your living situation, but the most asked question, of course. Uh, was your dating status. Mm. And, you know, Karen knew that the code for that was blow dryer. <laughs> she's wondering what the status is of the, okay. the, the, your new blow dryer. Or are, do, are you currently in possession of what, okay. whatever? What do you okay. want to say about your dating? Because you had been open about your new young boyfriend on the show. Okay, so I guess the good news is I do have a new blow dryer. It's the Conair. <laughs> Ionic ceramic cord keeper. Uh huh. Nice. <laughs> it's got a retractable cord, Karen, <laughs> which doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy with that. So I actually did find a real hair dryer. And sadly, Liz, I, 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 sadly, my young boyfriend is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, he he ended it. He ended it abruptly. And I'm tr- I don't want to be mean, yeah. but I don't, I don't feel like I really need to be nice about it either. So I'm going to try to be neutral. Okay? okay. All right. This is a neutral. Just the uh, facts. People just wanted to know if he was still in your life. So the answer is no. The answer is no. He he dumped me. He dumped me hard, Liz. <laughs> the only other time I've been dumped that hard, uh, Liz. And I know you remember this because I ended up on your couch <laughs> right after this incident. Mm-hmm. Do you happen to remember Steve from Chicago? Oh wow! Forgotten <laughs> about him. 
Remember Steve was my boyfriend? And then one day, I mean, I called his house and they told me he moved back to Chicago <laughs> without telling me. Yeah, yeah. I that's, yeah. that's the only other time I've been dumped this cold. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, I just can't do it. And I had been really, really happy with my young beau. Yeah. I'd been really, we we did a lot together. We just, and um, I I, I guess, I mean, maybe it was a sign of his age, but I think all men um, have a hard time just, just, you know, saying it's, it's over or, Maybe changing their mind. Um, I don't. Well, know. It's hard for women to say it's over. To, I mean, saying it's over to someone that you—it's—it's it's hard. It's always going to feel mean. It's always going to feel mean, and uh, and so I am single again, and uh, not looking, just uh, waiting, <laughs> trying to trying to recover really, and uh, and trying to you know just. Trying to be my best, my best self, Liz. What else can I say? No, that's that. There's, you got plenty of life ahead of you, Sheila. We all do. Uh, Yeah, you know. And a couple of people asked about the pool. You know, when I'm at the pool, when I'm at my pool, I, I still openly, I, I, I'll admit it. I openly flirt with men in a way that, like, I just say hi to men at Mm. the end of the lap lane. (laughs) And yesterday. Because you got to keep your light on, Liz. That's I, I know that that's been your motto since Oprah told you to do that. <laughs> so yesterday I found myself, you know, swimming, swimming, swimming. There was a, a, a nice-looking man close to my age, I thought, you know, in the lap lane next to me. And at the end of the lap, at the end of his lap, I turned to him and I said, hi. And... It's so strange when a man looks right at you and doesn't acknowledge (laughs) It's really freaky. And then I thought, well, maybe it has something to do with the fact that I had run out of my zinc oxide. Uh So I took my emergency jar of desitin, which is basically just zinc oxide, Liz. (laughs) And I had completely covered my face with with desitin. And I thought, well, maybe it's because I, I'm covered with desitin that he's just not saying hello. Maybe that's it. But I find a lot of men in L.A., when I say hi to them, they look kind of scared, Liz. Uh-huh. Uh, scared. <laughs> okay. All right. But well, that's not going to stop me. I mean, I think, for you. I think without desitin or with desitin, I think I'm still going to, you know, put out a Keep smile. your light on. Keep that desitin smeared light on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. Yes. Other questions. Uh, other questions for me. I have a blow dryer, but not a blow dryer. But I'm up to what's happening in the pool. The uh-huh. pool, I, I love my pool. Um, I go to the Rose Bowl pool to swim laps. I had a great week swimming laps this week, Liz. And I saw my good friend, Diana Nyad. Oh, she was there? Oh, that's great. I was so sorry that she got eliminated so quickly on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I know. I know. She is just the nicest person. And now, instead of waiting for Diana to say hi to me, I just say, hi, Diana, when I see her. I'm sure and she, she appreciates that. And she says, hi. How, how are you? I go, great. So then the second question she always asks, how was your swim? 
I said, great. How was your swim, Diana? She said, short one, just two hours. Oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> That's a short swim for her. Um, but she's a fantastic woman, fantastic yeah. model. And, uh, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time at the pool and yeah. enjoying it. You know, it reminds me that one of the questions that came up uh, a couple of places on the list is who some of our favorite interviews have been. And I think we should tackle that next week. There's a bunch of questions we're not going to get to. But, oh, that's right. You know, as I was doing the list in my head of some of our best interviews, we've talked to so many fantastic women over the years on Satellite Sisters that, you know, it's, it's a pretty long list. And I didn't mean, like, so in this podcast era, we don't normally, we don't book a lot of guests on the show. But during all those years on commercial radio where we had fantastic producers uh, helping us get the people we wanted to talk to, we could, like, call up all kinds of amazing uh, men and women and get them on the radio. So um, we should we should talk about that next week. Oh, you know, that does remind me. There was a question about what's up with some of the people that were that helped us produce that show. People asked about John Ramos, and they asked about uh, Joanne DeLeos-Young, and, of course, Courtney Cole, and Sarah Sweeney. I emailed Aunt Kia Renee, and so when I saw that question, yesterday I emailed all those people to get no, like, to get of course th- you did. to get their report in. So hopefully we'll have that for next week. I'm Facebook friends with all of them, so I generally know what they're um, what they're up to. But I didn't know what they wanted to report to the Satellite Sisterhood. So um, so we'll have some kind of follow up on what happened to the Satellite Sisters team because we're still all in contact, but people are off doing all kinds of interesting things. Um, do you want it? So, okay. Do you want any more questions for you, Liz? How about, uh, have we covered how is Ferris? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Carol and Carrie want to know how old he is. I don't really know because he was a rescue, but he's around 11. He's 11 ish. So he's kind of getting up in the years anyway. Um, but as I said, healthy and here's the miracle dog. Then Nancy had asked about drug town, Sheila. I know you're so far away now. You probably never get there anymore. I never get to a drug town. Do you want to do an update today or do you want to save that? Well, here, Nancy, I drove by yesterday with you in mind because they have the frequent sidewalk sales at drug town. So I was hoping I could at least get a gander of what's out on the street for sale. But there was no sidewalk sale yesterday, Nancy, and I didn't have time to go in. So we will do some follow-up on uh, the latest merchandising schemes at drug town. Which, for those of you who are newer to the show, uh, it's an old favorite hangout of Sheila's, and it's called Drug Town, but it sells almost no drugs, correct? No drugs at all. Just uh, wind wind chimes and bad jeans. Yes, we got a couple more questions about... Our favorite sandwiches. Oh, and, yeah. What would your uh, answer be to favorite sandwich? Well, this is interesting because, um, uh, you know, I am uh, gluten-free, Liz. <laughs> I'm also meat-free, meat, meat and sure. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get off dairy. Uh, but it's, it's really hard. But my favorite sandwich, I mean, if I really want to end up hospitalized due to eating, yeah. I, I could go to, there's an Italian deli called Porta Via. In Pasadena, mm-hmm. I don't know if Leon's ever taken you there. No, but they they have paninis. Uh, they have a panini rustica, which is absolutely like you are in a coma after you eat this thing. It's basically uh, ham and fontina cheese 
layers and layers of ham and cheese just fried, fried within an inch of its life on this big, thick, glutinous bread. And I, I, maybe once every couple of years, I decide I want to be in a coma again, a food coma. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I do. I go out on an Italian, uh, the Portavia Rustica sandwich. Okay. That, that's, that would end up, that would just, that would be days of recovering from that. But it would be worth it for those 10 minutes that I wolf that down. That's interesting, Sheila, because my yeah. answer to Jennifer's question about our favorite sandwich <laughs> was also an Italian deli. So I don't know what that says. I have two answers, Jennifer. The first is Bay City's Deli in Santa Monica. Sheila, I'm sure you've been there, right? Right, I've been there, but I don't like the line and the hype there, but I've been there, yes. Good sandwich. So the, but the first time I ever tasted a sandwich, they, th- their two specialty sandwiches are the Godfather and the Godmother. They're both awesome. And, but what makes them super, what I love the best is they have this sort of spicy olive spread on them. I could, I could eat like just a bowl of the spread. Sometimes I buy the sandwich just to get the taste of the spread, which, you know, it's a lot of extra calories, Jennifer, but I don't know. And, but the way I discovered the, the Godfather the first time is when we were first all living and working here in LA and working on the radio show. We were represented by a woman named Donna Fazari, who's a nice Italian girl from Long Island, and she lived out here in Bay City's deli, her favorite Italian deli, like west of the Hudson, was right. Bay City's. And, but uh, one time, she, she lived at a house where the, there was a rainstorm, and her entire backyard, there was a hill in her backyard. And do you remember the whole hill came down? Oh, my gosh, yes. It filled, not only filled the, her whole terrace in the back of her house, but, like, came in through the windows of her house. It was a complete landslide. And so she was spending every weekend trying to recruit friends to come over and help shovel the mud to clear out her backyard. And so we got recruited for several shifts of this. Um, and really all of Donna's friends were contributing to the, uh, getting the mud out of the house and out of the yard. And our reward were these sandwiches from Bay City's Deli. So, Oh, wow. So the Godfather and the Godmother. The Godfather and the Godmother. So those are, those are the top two at Bay City's. But then also on Montana Avenue, there is this super high-end cheese shop called Andrew's Cheese Shop. And uh, have you ever been in there, Sheila? I've been in there, Liz. Now, what what are you talking okay, about? They, <laughs> they only make, they make like a dozen sandwiches a day, just on a perfect baguette. They just make them at the beginning of the day, and they're sitting on the counter, and you, there are like three or four different choices. One of those choices is called the PLT. The PLT is pancetta lettuce and tomato. Oh, pancetta. That's just pure salt, right? Oh, my That's... God. This, this sandwich is basically a fat and salt delivery system. That it, it's, it's like the best thing. you can, If you like fat and salt, this is the way you got to go. I think that's basically what we're talking about here. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, mine was fat and salt. Yours yeah. is fat and salt. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's be real about uh, what makes a good sandwich. Yeah. And there's some kind of designer cheese on there because it is a cheese shop. So I forget what it is, but it, I, I've had only two in my life, Jennifer, and I had to decide I have to cut this off right now because <laughs> I, could, I could literally start having three a week, 
five a week. I could have one every day for the rest of my life, and it would not be good. But it's I, I feel the same about this panini, Liz. And I always yeah. say when I get it, I'm only going to eat half, and I never do. I always go for the second half. Yeah. Yeah, so I will leave the sandwich question there. And, Nancy, I know you asked about what would be my Santa Monica 101 for visitors. I'm going to have to give you a much longer answer at another time. But Andrew's Cheese Shop, if you're looking for a PLT in your life, and then you're going to be quickly going back to where you live, you know, if you're removing yourself from Southern California, I think it would be safe to try one because you wouldn't be able to find one in Minnesota or wherever you live. So um, definitely, I'll, I'll add that to my list. Hey, Sheila, you know what? We have been talking for an hour and a quarter. I know. We have to go. We have to go. I know. So well, let's save. Um, yeah, let's save a few questions for next time. This has been really fun, Liz. This was a good gimmick. This has been very enjoyable. I, I hope that uh, Julie and Leon, when they record this week, um, have some time to address some of the things that were directed at them. Uh, and then Monica, if she's back next weekend, you know, people people are always concerned about what you and Monica are up to because you're on the show less frequently, Sheila. But that's not because of any issue, right? No, there's no issue. We're just working. We're yeah. working and we're exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and and we want we wanted to be our best on the show. So we started slowly. We started coming back with Lab Rats. And I think that's a good plan for us because we will be doing more Lab Rats um, as the time goes on. And we're really excited about that. And uh, yeah, this has been this has been great. Okay, so we will do this again. You'll get you'll get answers to the questions you've already asked, and then maybe in a couple of months we'll try another combination of sisters and another all Q and A uh, satellite sister Sunday special. But thanks, Jill. This has been totally fun, and thanks everyone for all of your questions, for all of your support of the show. If you're listening to this and you're not a member of the Facebook group, see what you miss. You didn't get a chance to ask us a question if you're, if you're not on the Facebook group, so that's easy to join. Basically, I approve everyone unless it looks to me like you are really either a robot or a sex worker of some kind. Oh, yes. uh, and we get, we get at least one a day that is one or the other. So, But if you have any other people on your Facebook page, I am likely to approve you without too much of an entry process. So <laughs> go ahead and do that. You can also just, you can always email us at sisters at satellitesisters.com. You can post anything you want on our blog, uh, satellitesisters.com. Okay, so here we are Sunday afternoon, Sheila. I'll see you next Sunday, right? You're coming to Santa Monica. We're having a nice brunch on the beach. I can't wait, Liz. It will be great to be back on Montana Ave again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. You walk into the world you make. You lose yourself, but you, you find your way. I'm going to watch you radiate, 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 radiate. We turn so slow, I know it's hard to wait. But take your time, son, this yours to take. I'm going to watch you radiate, As you walk, you've 
believe every part of 